Joy seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor. I'm your host for Live Joy, Share Joy. And today, I want to invite us into a perspective of what the masterpiece is that God sees in us. I want us to think about those times that we may have been shunned, but how we know God is working in it all and how we know that God loves us and we can strive to be more like Jesus every day. To guide us through this conversation, we have two amazing things. Number one is the Word of God and the accounting of the man born blind. And the second is Pastor Matthew Dennert of Crossroads Community Evangelical Free Church in Castleton, North Dakota. Pastor Matthew, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. It's an amazing day in the Lord, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I'm sitting with a a bright sunshine, which is rare to see (laughs) right now, so... I love how this is working out. Yeah, I, amen. I, I love it as well. So, Pastor Matthew, as we invite people to join us in this conversation today, it might be helpful them, for them to pull out the word. Uh, we will primarily be focusing on John chapter 9. However, as you and I were talking about the man born blind, it's important that we actually go back to chapter 8 to a few key points. Let's start there. Yeah, there's, there's a background that we need to see to fully understand um, kind of the boiling point that we've gotten to in Chapter 9. In the book of John, uh, the, the author is really leading in the first 11 chapters, showing the miracles of Jesus. And then in Chapter 8, and this is where John, John really fits in Chapter 9 here, uh, but Chapter 8 really leads us to Jesus doing a miracle, and then he says, I am... Uh, I am the light of the world. And at the very end of that chapter, we see him say that John chapter 8, verse 58 says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And that is the last verse between chapter 8 and chapter 9. And what we really need to see here is that phrase that Jesus said, I truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus in in the book of John says several I am statements where he is calling himself the Messiah and pointing to him and his future work on the cross. And those I am statements are taken out of Exodus 3, when Moses saw God revealed in the burning bush. And he asked, who are you? God said, I am that I am. And this is the same phrases that Jesus is using. So the the Pharisees and the religious leaders heard Jesus say, I am, and took that as a proclamation of Jesus Christ saying, I am the Messiah. And to them, that was blasphemy. And so that's why they picked up the stones. And it says that Jesus hid himself, and he was just walking out of the temple. And then as he was walking out of the temple is where we get into chapter 9, verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So those connections, there is, this isn't like weeks of difference between chapter 8 and chapter 9. Jesus was just walking out, uh, leaving and saving his own life by being hidden in the crowd. And he saw, and, and the first thing he does right after proclaiming that he is the Messiah is start to serve a person that everybody else uh, wrote off in life. Let's talk about this everyone else wrote off in life, because one of the things you and I have been talking about is that somebody born blind back in the day, they start tying it to sin. And of course, we see that in John chapter 9 in the 2 to 5, right? 
what the disciples yeah, asked him, you know, who sinned, right? And this is really important. Yeah, in, in verse 2, after Jesus walked by and saw the blind man, immediately the disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that, that he was born blind? So there is a, at that cultural moment, in that time, anybody that was born blind, it was an assumption that they were kind of a product of somebody, of their parents' sin. This, this blindness wasn't caused by a sickness. This blindness wasn't caused by an injury. This was because they, they were born that way. And so they believed that their parents sinned. That was the, that was the idea behind it. And so, uh, so this, this poor blind man who has been blind from birth, and, and later on in chapter 9 it says he is of age, so his entire life he's been looked down upon, and it's been assumed, not only that he is the product of his parents' sin, but also that his parents were shunned and, and did something wrong because he was blind. And Jesus has an amazing answer right after that. And let's talk about his answer. It, like, so he said right away after this, he said, I, it was not this man who sinned or his parents, but that, he, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And what I love, absolutely love in this part of this passage here is, Jesus just stops and says, it wasn't this man or his parents, and I'm not even going to answer this question, but I'm going to do what this man needs the most, and I'm going to take away that suffering by healing him and letting him see. Amen. It just, there's something to me that is so powerful in this. It's about, there's sort of this piece to me of like, look at the works God is doing in all of us. And I love the way that Jesus answers because it, it for me, there's a perspective around here of God can do a work in each one of us. Isn't that how God's glorified? Absolutely. And what, what I love here is everybody else wrote him off, right? And Jesus said, no, he, this is going to glorify God. This, this man who's unclean, this man who is looked down upon, this man who's the product of somebody else's sin, the way that the rest of the people were seeing him, that, no, he is going to be a testimony of God. He is going to be a testimony for what we can do here. You may have written him off, but he is going to point to me. Yes, and anyone listening, every single one of us, I hope our ears are, I I call them Dumbo ears. I hope right now they're so big in hearing this that God loves all of us. God is working through each one of us. God loves it, right? Like this is, to me, God is not shunning anybody. We are right. all important and, to him. And constantly through the Gospels and constantly through the Bible, you see God using people that you would not expect. I mean, just the very choice. I mean, it's comically uh, done how Jesus chose his disciples. I mean, the, the people that were the elites or the, the, the smartest and the brightest, they were studying to become Pharisees and rabbis and everything else. If you weren't performing as well in Torah school by the age of 10, you'd go back to your parents' business. And time and time, time and time again, when Jesus chose his disciples, he chose the ones that, that weren't chosen, that went back to their parents' business, uh, that no rabbi would take them underneath them to further their studies. And Jesus came to their boats and said, come follow me. And he, he chooses the B team time and time again. And once again, we see Jesus loving one of the ones that, that others had wrote off. Yeah. There's hope for all of us, right? There's hope for all of us. Amen. Well, and I love uh, one verse that you and I had also talked about um, prior to the starting the show was 
Psalm 146, 8. And you talked about the fact that that's crucial because it's something that we had not seen before. Yeah, the miracle in John chapter 9 is crucial because we've never seen it before. Psalm 146, verse 8 says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. It goes on to say that the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. And what, 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 what we see here is, like, even in the Old Testament, there were miracles that were happening in the Old Testament, but we never see one where there was a healing of a blind person in the Old Testament. Uh, it wasn't done through uh, prophets. It wasn't done this. This was, this was really reserved for the Lord. So what the people just saw here, in context of chapter 8, Jesus just claims to be the Messiah, and rightfully claims to be the Messiah. And now he is doing something that nobody has ever seen before, by healing a blind person that was born blind. And this then sparks a controversy. Let's start talking about that controversy. So just right after Jesus makes the mud and, and tells the, the blind man to wash his, his eyes in the, in the pool of Shalom, uh, the neighbors started to notice, hey, isn't this the guy that was born blind? Isn't this the man that we've seen that's always been here at the gate that never could be seen? Some kind of said, well, it looks like him. It might be him. It might just be his doppelganger that we just, maybe it's somebody else that just looks like him today. Uh, the blind man said, uh, or now it's no longer the blind man. The healed man said, uh, it is me. And then he answered, uh, it, you know, it is me. And then I, I, they don't know what to do with this. They didn't know what was going on, and so they brought, them, they brought the healed man now to, to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees start to question his parents, uh, and the, it, in verses 17 through 23 of chapter 9, you see the parents answering very short answers in uh, kind of fearful ways. It says that they feared the Jews or they feared the Pharisees at this time, and that goes back to showing this is a very heated climax here. Um, once again, Jesus was just almost stoned because he claimed to be the Messiah. So the parents knew that their life might be in danger here. And all the questions, they said, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. He is of age, so go ask him. <laughs> and they answered, they answered like this because they feared the Jews. So we had nothing to do with this. Our hands are clean. Don't stone us. Um, go ask him is basically their responses, because, I mean, you, you just feel the tension in the text right now that that was going on with the questions. And so, so in verses 24 through 34, the Pharisees started to question the healed man, and he holds up his own as he's being questioned there. But, but the controversy, that's the controversy that we see, and it, and it really comes down to uh, when, when the Pharisees start to ask, uh, he was healed on the Sabbath. And so you remember Jesus just made the claim of being the Messiah. The, the Pharisees thought, this is, this is the, finally the ammunition that we could say he's wrong, because the Messiah sinned. He did work on the Sabbath, so he's not the Messiah, everybody. Calm down. This isn't the one. And so that's the controversy that we see, is that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if we really stop and think about it, and yet... It sparks this whole conversation around, well, are we more like Jesus or are we more like a Pharisee? And what was really happening at that time? There's, oh my gosh, Pastor Matthew, we have so much more to talk about because I feel like you're leading us right into this, this really getting clarity around, yeah, who are we? And what is the masterpiece that Jesus sees in us around this? 
We have a lot more to talk about. We are talking with Pastor Matthew Dennert of Crossroads Community Evangelical Free Church in Castleton, North Dakota. We are talking about the man born blind, but there's so much more than that. What does it teach us about the masterpiece that Jesus sees in us? We have so much more to talk about. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We will be right back after this brief pause. When it comes to planning for your future, you want an advisor who understands your Christian values. Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson offer financial planning based on biblical principles. They can help you plan for your goals in a way that is consistent with your faith. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson today. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Ameriprise Financial offers financial services without regard to religious affiliation or cultural background. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. This is Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy and Live Joy, Share Joy. I like to be infused with joy all the time. Every Monday through Friday, I do an Infusion of Joy video on Facebook and Instagram. I cover a topic related to joy and provide insights, perspectives, and distinctions, as well as offer an opportunity for you to continue digging even deeper into your own joy. Make sure you're following me on the Life Full of Joy Facebook page and on Instagram at Live Joy, Share Joy. Live Joy and Share Joy. Are you currently renting your home? Give Team Aylesworth, Noemi, Harry, and Abby of Real Living First Realty a call. Trust them to help guide you through the home buying process. With interest rates as low as they are, now is a good time to take that leap into being a homeowner. The award-winning customer service team is ready to make you their priority. Call Noemi at 218-760-4689 or click the link for Team Aylesworth on the Business Impact Partner page at yourqfm.com. Make owning a home your reality today. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We are speaking with Pastor Matthew Dennert of Crossroads Community Evangelical Free Church in Castleton, North Dakota. We're talking all about the man born blind. And going into the break, we see the Pharisees saying, oh, Jesus cannot be the Messiah because he was healing on the Sabbath. That was kind of the cliffhanger. Now, Pastor Matthew, let's dig into the word and find out what happens next. The Pharisees are very angered. Jesus, in chapter 8, claimed to be the Messiah. They're upset, and now he does a miracle that's never been seen before. He heals a man born blind, and now the Pharisees are accusing him. He can't be Messiah. He, he's, he sinned. He healed on the Sabbath. And now they start to question the, the former blind man, now the healed man, and say, what do you know of this man? And the healed man said in verse 25 of chapter 9, Says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And this is the hard part to imagine at this very moment in chapter 9, is the only thing that the blind man, now the healed man, knew of Jesus Christ was that he saw him, he heard the conversation between the disciples, where the disciples said, whose sin caused this man's blindness, his parents or his own? Jesus said, neither one of them, he's this way, so that God's glory may be seen. And now all he knew was Jesus then makes mud, puts it in his eyes, and tells him to go and wash. And after he washed his eyes, he could see. That's all he knew of Jesus Christ. And now he's standing in court, having to defend who Jesus is. And he basically says, I don't know anything else about Jesus, but I used to be blind. He made mud, he, he, he told me to wash in the pool of Siloam, and now I can see. And that's it. And then kind of going on, like, 
this conversations in verse uh, 24 through 34 is really funny. They keep asking him, and he goes on to say, I already told you this. Do you want to be his disciples too? This then gets them into even more anger. And the healed man says about their unbelief, your unbelief and your ignorance in the face of this evidence is more of a miracle than my own cure. It's basically the blind man saying, hey, everybody just testified I was born blind, I was this way, Jesus healed me, and you are still denying this. What more do you need? It kind of feels like our walk with Christ sometimes, doesn't it? What more do you need? (laughs) It does. And then the sad thing is, because he could no longer further the cause of the Pharisees, what did they do? They cast him out of the temple. They say he can't come back. They truly excommunicate him from any religious activities of that time. And that's, that's how they saw this blind man. It's crazy. It's, when you think about it, it is, in some ways, like, it's like there's a disconnect and there is almost a humor in it. And yet, this is real. And I think for a lot of us, even our walk with the Lord can sometimes feel like with this, right? It's like we have the word, we have prayer, we see God working, and yet, where's the belief? Where's the believer? Do we know Jesus? Do we want to follow him, right? Like, this happens all the time. Yep, and, and this, is the, this is the pivot point where it goes from we see how others viewed the blind man, saw how Jesus healed him and cared for him and loved him, but now we go a step further in verses 35 through 38. And I love, I love this interaction because it's the same interaction that Jesus has for you and I. Everybody else at this moment basically said, you're done to us, you're gone, no longer be around us. And verse 35 starts by saying this, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, and I want you to focus on that phrase, and having found him. That's not he just passively went by him. Jesus searched out this blind man. After everybody else kicked him away, after everybody else pushed him away, Jesus went out, he heard what happened, and he found him. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? In verse 36, he answered, the, the, the healed man answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And the blind man said, or the healed man now says, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Just listen to those verses for a second. Everybody else threw this man to the side, and Jesus went out and found him, and then the response after that was, he, because of Christ's great compassion, because of Christ's great care, he said, I believe, and he started to worship. Isn't that awesome? Ugh, I just it just gives me goosebumps just thinking about it because at some point in this relationship we all have with Christ, there's that moment we were, we say, "Lord, I believe. I accept you as my Lord and Savior." And at that moment, we begin worshiping. Right? There's a there's a change that happens. And we see it represented here. And well, there should be a change, right? I mean that's <laughs> that's the phrase that we need to say. There should be a change. And sometimes, especially in American Christianity, it's, everything is taught to be, to be made on the point of accepting Christ and having that be almost the finishing spot there. And God can do great things with that. And, but at, the, at that point, we are then on a constant journey to become more and more like Him. So He believed, and then He worshipped. Yes. That means that he started to praise. That means he started to have a change in heart. He started to have transformation. 
And in our life, there is nothing more beautiful than you will ever see than a changed and transformed life for Christ. Here we see an example of a man that was once blind, and now he is transformed and he can see, and he clearly sees Jesus, and he's transformed in worship. How much more for us who aren't born blind, having issues in our lives, find, we need to find Christ and then worship and become transformed. Amen. Amen. So how did Jesus help us distinguish between the blind and the seeing? Because like you're right, it's not just about literally blind as in I can't see things. Blind can be a lot of things. Yeah, and there there's no end to it. I mean, it, it's it's uh, talking about, you know, the fruit of the Spirit versus the fruit of the flesh. You know, I used to live in ways that had, you know, maybe sexual uh, sexual desires that no longer are appropriate. I used to live in ways of greed or promotion or pride or these other things. And those, as we become more and more like Christ, as we get further and further in our appropriate walk with Christ, we now sit there and say, you know what, we were blind, but through Jesus Christ I can now see. And at the end of John chapter 9, we see that very conversation with the Pharisees where Jesus said, for judgment, in verse 39, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who may be, and those who see or claim to see may become blind. And that's what we see between Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees claimed to see. They claimed to know exactly what was going on, and they never repented and turned towards Christ. But this blind man, who had everything in life written against him, was the blind man, saw more than what the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, could see. And it really goes to what our perception of how others view us and how we are uh, even view ourselves and how we view others. Are we more like those Pharisees who claim to see? And then once this blind man couldn't fit their narrative or fit what their purpose was for him, just cast him aside? Or are we more like Jesus who chooses to have compassion and have open arms? And no one on this whole world who is far from Christ is any further than just one step of turning back. Because Jesus is always there, even with the mess of life, even with wherever we are at, or whatever struggles we have, it's just one step to turn back to Him. Yes, and I, I feel like so many, there's so much to say around this, but I believe that's one of the important things of this time as we prepare for Jesus dying on the cross and Easter, that it is, to me, it's that reminder of the emptying of self and that it's never too late and Jesus is always right there. But there's something very unique about this time that for me, it just seems to bring it up more than any other time. It just, it's that reminder. Yeah, and the goal of Lent is to adequately prepare to receiving Christ, right? So we, we look to Lent. Some of us may give up things during the Lent season so we can focus on Jesus more. And the best thing that we can do is maybe not giving up something, but adding something that gets our focus more correctly on Him. One of my favorite books is called Mud and the Masterpiece. And the subtitle of Mud and the Masterpiece is Seeing Yourself and Others Through the Eyes of Jesus. And John chapter 9 shows us a distinction between the way that others saw the blind man who became the healed man and how Jesus saw him. And in this book, uh, John Burke's book, Mud and the Masterpiece, he does a study between what the Pharisees and what their characteristics were like versus what Jesus was like, specifically on how they saw people. And I think you mentioned this time. I think we are at a time where many people are interested in Jesus, but they do not like his followers. <laughs> this is a, the two-by-four moment. 
people want and are interested in hearing about Jesus, but sometimes they feel that the followers aren't the great example. And because of that, they don't ask questions and they don't go any further in pursuing him. I, and go ahead. Well, they, no, I was just going to say, I think you're so spot on. And I think to me, there is that person that you see, you're like, wow, man, that person just reminds me of Jesus. You see the love, you see the fruits of the spirit, you see the eyes, the the hands, the, you know, the feet of Jesus walking, really, literally. And there is a lot of the lip service over on the other side. And it's like, it's not to say that those individuals haven't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but there is there is a difference. You know when people have been transformed in Christ. Yeah, and so often we think that people that are transformed and those that might not have been transformed is a really long and, and like a long divide between that. But it's not. So often in my own life, I might be operating like a Pharisee, like one of the people that claim to see that are a bad example. This is almost like a daily or in the minute thing. Am I, and asking myself, am I acting more like Jesus right now or am I acting like a bad example? And where do I align up on this? And a quote from the book that I absolutely love says this, maybe the reason people today are drawn to Jesus, but not his followers, is because many Christians are not like Jesus. Listen to that again. Maybe the reason people today are drawn to Jesus, but not his followers, is because many Christians are not like Jesus. We don't really see what Jesus sees in other people. We don't really feel the way Jesus felt toward people straying far from God, living messy lives. We don't really feel the way that Jesus felt toward people straying far from God and living those messy lives. And now Christians can subtly become pharisaical without even realizing it. And I love that quote because so often I might just go to work, I might just be doing my thing and just forget, hey, there's messy people all over the place that need to see Jesus. I mean... We live in a time right now where somebody might just simply ask, is there something different with you? Because you were nice to me when you had to wait for three customers ahead of you in the cashier line. It is unbelievable. (laughs) We have this opportunity to actually share Christ just by being nice and not getting upset and not yelling at the poor server who's the only worker in the restaurant that day (laughs) bringing food. And we need to ask this all the time. Am I more like Jesus right now or am I not shining Jesus And, and, and moving towards that? Yes. Amen. Pastor Matthew, I feel like we could go on and on. Unfortunately, as always, there is this little time limit. But I love what you're bringing up here about maybe the reason people today are drawn to Jesus, but not as followers, because many Christians are not like Jesus. So we're asking you and inviting you today to look at what are the ways you are like Jesus and how are others seeing Jesus in you? And how are you seeing the masterpiece that Jesus has created in you? Pastor Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. We've been talking with Pastor Matthew Dennert of Crossroads Community Evangelical Free Church in Castleton, North Dakota. Pastor Matthew, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. And we want to thank all of you for choosing to join in today. We want to remind you to live joy and share joy. This is Deb McGregor. Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.